peace, my people. You're tuning in to I Must Be Bugging, where black, gifted, and otherwise neurodivergent folks celebrate our special flavors. If you've ever questioned your perspective in a world built for the masses, welcome home. I'm your host, Sheldon Gay, and I appreciate you joining me on this journey as a late-identified black, gifted man. Together, we'll rewrite the script on neurodiversity by celebrating our differences, challenging the status quo, and breaking free from old narratives that label us as deficient. In each episode, we'll explore the stories, experiences, and of course, the curiosities of black gifted adults and other neurodivergent people who are underrepresented or unidentified in a world where normal can also mean harmful. So continue with me on this journey of self-discovery, empowerment, and acceptance. I Must Be Bugging is creating safe spaces, sparking conversations, and making sure our voices are heard. Thank you, everyone, and welcome to another episode of I Must Be Bugging. I'm your host, Sheldon Gay. As always, I'm so, so pleased to have you here with me. Uh, You could be listening to anything else. You could be doing anything else right now. I'm glad that you're joining me. Uh, We got a lot, a lot, a lot to talk about today. So I just want to go ahead and make sure that uh, we just kind of just jump into it. Um, And with that, let me start with a quote that'll kind of set the mood, as it were, for this episode. And that quote is from Bell Hooks from her book, All About Love, New Visions. And it says, only love can heal the wounds of the past. However, the intensity of our woundedness often leads to a closing of the heart, making it impossible for us to give or receive the love that is given to us. And so that is super, super powerful. Um, And again, this is going to be the message that resonates throughout this episode. So I'll read it one more time. Only love can heal the wounds of the past. However, the intensity of our woundedness often leads to a closing of the heart, making it impossible for us to give or receive the love that is given to us. And I've chose this because it speaks to the healing that we need to do right? To be able to receive the love that we want. Many of us have experienced so much trauma in our past for various reasons, various reasons. And while that sensation and even that cynicism can serve to protect us in many ways without the proper healing, it can also prevent us from receiving the love that we want, which is really what we're longing for, right? Um, and let me say before we even go further as well, be prepared to hear a lot of bell hooks quotes today. (laughs) Um, so having said that, you know, we're officially into the holiday season and generally speaking, that brings about opportunities to be grateful, to celebrate, to show love and to begin to reflect on the year, uh, that we've had for some, those reflections will easily, uh, bring joy as they think about this year's wins, new friends and partners, maybe a new job or promotion, a memorable vacation that they've been waiting to take for so long, right? And that they finally got to to take. And simply the excitement for what the new year brings. Now for others, this time of year is rough. And so let me pause here and let this be a bit of a trigger warning for those who may struggle during the holidays. This episode, I'm going to talk 
deeply and extensively uh, about how we, you know, can highlight some of the spoken and unspoken experiences we have as neurodivergent people. And that may be too much for some right now, and I wanted to honor that. Um, I'll also attempt to share some things, some helpful tips, right, that help us navigate these times. And so for that, I'll put a timestamp in the show notes so that you can skip to that part if you'd like. And so I'll just give you a couple of seconds now to pause or fast forward or do whatever you need to do to, you know, make space for yourself. Okay, so... The holidays can also remind us that we're facing the first holiday without someone, right? I want to honor the fact that this is my family's first holiday without my grandmother. And that comes with a lot of sadness, right? And so sometimes that first holiday without someone is either because they've transitioned or maybe the relationship changed, right? It may even bring up reminders of how lonely we are if we don't have family or friends to spend time with, or if we're just not able to get to them, right? Sometimes we're just in a different place. Maybe we don't have the funds. Maybe we have to work, whatever it is, right? For neurodivergent people, it may also bring up memories of times when we weren't accepted by those we love and who we believed we would be, in fact, should be our safest of places. It may bring up truly traumatizing experiences of verbal or even physical abuse related to how we show up in the world. And so going home may not even be possible or even desired. And instead of a relaxed, happy time to get away from the rat race, right, right, which is what most people or many people are thinking about when it comes time for this holiday vacation, it may feel like for us forced engagements with sensory challenges like sounds, foods, and just being around lots of people. And so at this point, by the time you hear this, right, you've likely already started to imagine how you'll navigate the aunt or uncle, right, who's always had a passive, aggressive comment about your weight or what you're doing with your life, right? We may have already received a call from a judgmental parent wondering if we're bringing someone, right, or shaming us for always hanging by ourselves while others are eating. But what about those of us who you know, may have had a sibling who's constantly used as a comparison for for who we are in our life. And even if you are the one who's, for example, more materially successful, do you feel that wedge, I'm sorry, right, that's driven between you all, right, the thing that's keeping you separated? And despite all of this, right, who ends up feeling better or more loved because of it? It's a question to to just ponder, right? So as we breathe on that, right, it might sound difficult, but what I want for us to do is to make space for this energy. However, again, I'm not trying to make us wallow in it or put ourselves into a spiral, right? I don't want us to go into a depressive state because of this, but what I want us to do is simply acknowledge it because whether we create the awareness around it or not, it's there. Our body, our mood, and for those of us who can't hide it, our faces are, are telling the story for us. And so the more we are aware of it, the better we can deal with it, deal with it when someone or something touches on that spot that's tender or still wounded. So the next thing I want to do is share one of my favorite poems. And many of you are already familiar with it, but it's still a good grounding message regardless. And it's called The Guest House by Rumi. And it goes like this. 
This being human is a guest house. Every morning, a new arrival. A joy, a depression, a meanness. Some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all. Even if they are a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture. Still, treat each guest honorably. He may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice. Meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whoever comes because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. And I absolutely, like I said, love that message. Um, that poem I found a couple of years ago. And it, it's it's just so powerful and reframes our thoughts around our emotions. And it calls us to accept the complexity of emotions and the, the fact that we can have more than one emotion at the same time. And that those emotions are temporary, right? Regardless whether they're good or bad, um, they may be super intense, but they won't last forever. And so in this case, during the holidays, the holidays can bring all of those kinds of feelings and we ha you know, should be making room for them at the same time. It's not easy, but it can be okay if we find a way to simply allow them to be, to acknowledge them and to trust that they will eventually leave. And now some of them... You know, some of those emotions will visit us a little bit too often, but that's a conversation for another day. Going back home for the holidays can mean, you know, turning up the dial on the mask we wear or even putting on a mask that you've liberated yourself from elsewhere. This is because so many behaviors and families get highlighted because these are the people we've known uh, for the longest, right? And they've known us the longest. And they also take our behavior as a reflection of themselves, consciously or otherwise. And so it makes it personal for them, right? And that's what we often see in their behavior. But the often invisible reality is that as melanated and marginalized people, we already have enough pressure to mask. This adds up and adds another burden on top of it. And that's another reason so many of us go without identifying as neurodivergent because it's yet another thing for us to carry, right? Another thing to put on our shoulders that already feels too, too heavy. That we feel like, you know, will, will, you know, break our back if we just put one little thing else on our shoulders. And so we don't want to put it there. But Bell Hook spoke about this, you know, in Salvation, uh, her book, when she said, at times, this meant teaching habits of being that were not rooted in love. To break someone's spirit is not just a gesture of love. Oh, sorry, it's not a gesture of love, I'm sorry. It can and often does lead to what contemporary psychoanalysts have called soul murder. Making it within a racist society often required, and at times still requires, both accommodation and assimilation. This often leads individual black people to develop, develop, I'm sorry, a false self, one rooted in pretense and the denial of genuine feelings. And so what she was talking about in this paragraph was the fact that, you know, kind of what I spoke about, and I think that was episode two, about how, you know, there are things our families are doing that are trying to protect us, right? In their mind, they're trying to protect us. But, you know, they're trying to protect us for when we go out into the world, right? This racist world. So they're like, you know, 
change your behaviors, act this way so that you can be, you know, accepted and you can assimilate and you don't face a lot of the burdens, you know, unnecessary burdens, right? But what this doesn't honor is how that is, you know, as it says, soul murder. And so we should be looking for more ways that we can unmask and spaces that we don't have to be masked. So let's talk a little bit more how the holidays might play out for gifted and otherwise neurodivergent people who may feel compelled to mask. Mask. First, imagine being the outspoken one who sees others' truths. So you're walking into rooms as an empath or highly sensitive person, and it could be overwhelming. The reality is that most people are walking around with masks, but their energy is still seeping through. That level of internal dissonance is palpable to us, right? We can feel it. And we can't always put our finger on it, but we know something's off. And so we it just feels weird. You walk into a room and you just don't know how to react. You know, also family gatherings, gatherings are when many of us remember how distorted people's views of the world are. Maybe you've moved on from some of those beliefs that you were raised on. And while you're not trying to upset folks, it's killing you to hear your uncle or aunt share their not-so-hot take right on relationships, politics, or whatever else is wrong with the world. Second thing, imagine being teased about food or other sensitivity, sensory sensitivities. I'm sorry. This could mean being the person that doesn't eat traditional food and having your identity questioned. Right. And by traditional food, I mean, you know, an ethnic tradition, whether it be African-American or maybe, you know, you're from Ghana or maybe you're from uh, Uruguay or maybe you're from, I don't know, Ireland, wherever. Right. Doesn't really matter. You know, Japan. Right. If you're not someone who eats the traditional food, people question your identity. So, you know, for me, I can speak to, you know, the, the imagine imagining of being a black person who doesn't eat, you know, collars or candy yams. You know, people out here are going to be revoking your black card amidst, you know, a seemingly unending amount of laughter. You know, and not that there's anything wrong with it, but, you know, I do eat collars or candy yams, right? But I do know that there are some things that, you know, people don't like. And so they're, you know, questioning, making you question your own identity. Are you black enough? Are you Latin enough? Are you, you know, East Asian or South Asian or whatever enough? Maybe you still don't like your food to touch and people treat you like you're a little kid. Or, and this is for one of my little brothers, right? Maybe you like cheese on pizza, but not in mac and cheese, right? I joked with one of my cousins uh, a couple of years ago that black folks understand asking people to fry their stuff hard but they're quick to tease people if they don't like slimy or soft food, right? So we get it on some level, but we don't realize what we're doing to each other. Third, imagine being a person everyone puts on, puts all of their expectations on, not really realizing how much pressure that is. You know, sure, that can come from a place of admiration and wanting to show love, but it can also feel like anything but perfection will let them down. If you have any kind of social anxiety, this can make you, you know, even more hyper aware of how you're presenting and trying to read people's minds to figure out whether they're happy with you or not. I think that was three. Four. Imagine being the person who shows up late to the meal and everybody piles on about it, you know. 
Maybe you wanted to be there on time and you tried, you really, really did. But in instead of accepting that they might have to wait to see you later, they call you lazy and other things. Five, imagine being the person who has challenges around looking people in the face and an elder insists that you're being disrespectful. You know, you're just showing up as yourself and now you're upsetting sweet old ladies, right? And I'll just say this, you don't have to look someone in their eyes to see and make space for their heart. Uh, I think that's, I think this is seven. Imagine being the person who likes hanging with their cousins, but who stims or has challenges with social dynamics and realizing they left you out of the group activity. If we're keeping it real, right, cousin time is almost a sacred activity in many families. And so it can hurt deeply when it seems like everyone wants to hang out together, but just without you, right? Eight, imagine being the only one, or sorry, the one who's quickly overwhelmed by loud sounds, multiple conversations, etc. So you leave early or duck off to a quiet room and people just simply paint you as someone who doesn't love the family. Imagine feeling like someone's driving a pencil through your brain or your energy is being sapped quicker than they can pour out the eggnog, right? And instead of helping or understanding, they question your heart. And so to this point, here's a nugget that was confirmed by an expert in a podcast I happened to listen to today. Our brains are designed to process language. Therefore, if we, you know, may be thrown off, therefore we may be thrown off, I'm sorry, if we're trying to focus on one thing or person and there are people speaking in the background because our brain is drawn to it and wants to process it. We may, may not even be able to readily stop this from happening. And so being amongst multiple conversations may feel like, you know, imagine being a shopkeeper and you're trying to, to dedicate your attention to the customer that's in front of you, but all of a sudden there's like five other people running up to the window and demanding your attention. That's That's what that can feel like. And I'll just say that, you know, I definitely can relate to this because I don't, I, I know that I don't like, you know, people being on calls while I'm driving. And some people may not understand this, but when I said that this was, you know, confirmed is that what I know is that there are certain people's voices that particularly my brain is attuned to paying attention to because I care about them that much. And so if I'm driving and I'm, hearing their conversation, that voice, my brain's trying to process it. And while I'm driving, I'm trying to stay focused and I like to listen to my music to just keep me calm because, you know, traffic just be in the way, right? And so it just becomes a bit overwhelming, right? And so making space for understanding that, again, just naturally our brains want to do that. And for some of us, it's harder for us to make that, you know, distinction, uh, I believe this is nine. Imagine being the one whose thoughts and behaviors are used to define what's normal, accepted, loved by pointing out how weird or difficult we are. You know, we all have our quirks. You know, shoot, you know, how many people watch a show that no one else does? But why are yours the problem? Why is it that if you listen to a certain artist, you're the weird one? The reality is that it's more fun to demonstrate how you suppose how you're supposedly different, right? How for them to demonstrate how you're supposedly different than to be curious about it or admit that they've watched or listened to that thing too. 
right? So do, do any of these resonate with you? You know, if this sounds like your loved one or a friend, do me a favor. Be patient and compassionate if you reach out and they don't want to explain themselves or don't automatically accept an offered apology. The reality is, like I said, we're tired, right? We's, we's tired. And you're looking at years of not feeling heard. It's hard to turn that around. Our trust is at a super, super low, right? It's at a real, real low. So give it time and space. And if you really love them, just keep demonstrating your compassion. And I trust that it'll all turn around. So how can we help ourselves? Uh, the first thing that I'll share is we can help ourselves by doing the internal work to be able to comfortably draw boundaries so that you can let people know what you will and won't do. Reassure them that you love and care about them where appropriate and that none of this is about wanting to get rid of them. Instead, these boundaries are about improving the way you all communicate and share love together. Now, if they can't accept that, right, hold the boundary for as long as you need. The second thing, you know, create your own accommodations. Don't wait for them. If you need to wear the headphones or earplugs, do it, right? Don't wait for them to be offered. Don't worry about what people are going to say. Like, if that's how you need to, to show up um, to be able to be present, just do it. Give yourself the space to pop in and pop out, right? In fact, if you can bring your own car instead of riding with others, do it. Because now, if you do want to leave early, you don't have to feel bad about asking someone to leave early. Or you don't have to, you know, feel some type of way because they're not ready to leave. And so you've got to just sit there. This helps you to just take control of the situation, right? If someone wants you to cook something or bring something, share a doc or a task tracker and then have them add requests to it and, you know, give them a cutoff time though, right? So that they can't make requests at the last second and throw you off. If it gets loud inside, right? You got raucous, boisterous laughter, right? But you have access to an outdoor space or maybe a more open area in the house where sound will, you know, dissipate a little bit better. Try to coordinate the food, the TV, the Domino's game, the Uno's game, the Spades game, right? Whatever it is. The Monopoly game, right? Try to center it around that space so that, you know, if that's where the loudest energy is going to be, it gives a greater opportunity for you to not have to, you know, as somebody said, like feel like elephants are running through the room. Uh, three. Be grateful that there are people who are wishing you well and envisioning great things for you. When someone brings up, you know, things about your accomplishments, right, you can thank them for that, but also share other non-performance-based things you enjoy about yourself to help them see you as more than just your career or accomplishments, right? Four, be curious about what might help you show up for things you absolutely don't want to miss. You know, try to find out, the, you know, the time that the thing will be taking place beforehand and then get an accountability partner, Right? Whether it be a cousin, a sibling, shoot your children, whatever it is, right? That can help you stick to that time. Now, this needs to be someone whom you trust to keep you, you know, keep you, you know, honest about it. But also, please don't get mad at them for trying to help you meet your own needs, right? Like, if you're having issues with uh, getting, um, you know, there on time and somebody's like, you know, coming to get you out of bed, right? Because you sleep, 
right? Don't get mad at him. <laughs> More importantly, this also means being clear about how you'd like to receive reminders and expressing it, right? Give them options, tell them what you want, rather than being mad that they, you know, gave you a phone call when you expected a text or something else, right? Help set them up for success rather than assuming that they're going to do what you, you know, want. Five, bring your own food that you enjoy. Feel free to bring, you know, extra of a special food you like. But I'm going to say this very clearly. Don't mess up them people's holiday by switching up your recipe so everyone has to eat like you, right? If you've gone vegan or if you're gluten-free or, again, if you like your chicken cooked a certain way or whatever it is, right? Make yours and then, you know, leave that recipe alone. The holidays is not the time for all that experimentation and new stuff, right? Um, and, you know, I'm I'm joking, but uh, at the same time, I know that this isn't, isn't always possible due to cost or other logistics, but just try to find small things that you can do. And for yourself, you know, at least bring some snacks that you can use to keep your energy and your joy up, right? Because that's what you're trying to do is just, just enjoy the moment. Um, seven, let people know beforehand that you're leaving early and that while you love them, you want to focus on making sure that you're able to make the best memories while you're there. Okay, next. Uh, I believe we're on nine. If you're always late, consider how that impacts others who may be missing you or holding space uh, or even a plate for you. You know, this doesn't mean... You know, to be very clear, does not mean, does not mean falling into people pleasing, but it does mean validating their feelings in the same way that you're asking them to do for you. 10. If you see someone who's being othered, right? Someone who now is the, you know, the scapegoat, the black sheep or whatever, right? Don't revel in the opportunity to be the shamer. Speak up for them. If you like that thing, say it. Or maybe ask them a question to demonstrate that you think it's interesting. Excuse me. And lastly, the 11th one, right? And this may ruffle some feathers, but, you know, bear with me. Be curious about your interpretation. As neurodivergent people, rejection sensitivity is real. And the effects of relationship trauma are powerful, right? We just talked a lot, outlined any number of ways. And shoot, we could talk about hundreds, if not thousands of other ways in which we have spent our lives experiencing trauma around how we show up and those things are not trivial they're still things that live with us and it affects as i said in the, the you know original quote right it it can affect how we receive and give love and so we need to accept and acknowledge that and so having said that here are some you know thoughts to, to just maybe be curious about examples of thoughts to be curious about right do my cousins really hate me or might not they might might they not know how to vulnerably ask questions about things they don't understand? Mm. Did they leave me behind, or is our family so large or impulsive that they just rolled out without realizing it? Right. Once it gets past that like tenth person, right? Is it is it possible that it's hard to track whether that eleventh or twelfth person is in the car, all right, or you know it was downstairs with everyone or whatever, right? How could my interrupting, think about how could my interrupting or data dumping be affecting the flow of conversation or the person who's trying to share something personal? 
Now, while we can acknowledge that, yes, you know, maybe why, why we're interrupting is because we are excited, because we are paying attention. But on the other side, how would you feel? How would you expect them to feel? Maybe if you are okay with that, right? How do you, how would you expect them to feel? For many people, particularly, again, those of us who are used to feeling unheard, someone interrupting them can be very painful. It can remind them of the trauma of people thinking that what they have to say isn't important. So just be mindful of that, right? Now, again, this isn't to make, you know, any excuses for problematic behavior or put all the responsibility on you to fix things. It's also not meant to encourage you to not have trust in your own perceptions. However, it is a self-empowering opportunity to combat the narratives we get fixated on, right? And that can cause post-holiday depression. Sometimes we go to spend these holidays and then we need like a vacation from the holiday because of all the stuff that we took in. And that's often why a lot of us don't end up showing up at all, right? Take the opportunity to better understand whether our body is telling us we're in actual danger or if it's just letting us know that we're being vulnerable and that has been scary before, right? It also helps us to practice modeling the empathy, empathy I'm sorry, that we want for ourselves. Some of us are familiar with having our words, our actions, or nonverbal cues misinterpreted. So how do we find a way to allow that for, to be true about other people as well? And again, I'm going to come back to this. I am stating without a doubt that I am not trying to say that we need to change who we are as neurodivergent people. Not only is that wrong, it doesn't work. Instead, think about it like this. Your goal shouldn't be to eliminate your behaviors. A healthier, more reasonable goal could be to get to the point where you continue to hate that particular food, but maybe you don't worry about what others think if they're not eating it, right? It's not their plate. Why are you worried about what they, they're thinking? Why spend time on that? You could also accept that maybe there's someone out there that may hate that food too, right? And so there's no guarantee that unmasking is going to, you know, bring everybody out in a, in a way that supports and loves you. But if we mask, we might miss an opportunity to make a friend, to make a connection, to find our community, right? Um, so let me share an uncomfortable truth. Um, and here's yet another bell hooks quote. The practice of love offers no place of safety. We risk loss, hurt, pain. We risk being acted upon by forces outside of our control. And so again, that's bell hooks from her book, All About Love. And I love this because it gets real with us about what love means. Excuse me, and that means that there are no guarantees. And despite what people will sell you, love definitively is not about never feeling pain again. So don't feel bad if you don't see the change right away or if you decide it's easier just to mask your way through this time, right? There's no pressure to, to jump in headfirst necessarily. And to, you know, you can, you know, forgive me for, for using the pun, right? But, you know, you can forgive yourself for not going cold turkey this first time, right? Because, again, there's no guarantees about what, what's going to happen. But if we open our hearts, we open our, our space to possibilities. So as I begin to round out the episode, let me share some ways to communicate to our loved ones. 
And I acknowledge that these are inspired by an IG post I saw from Sadaf Sadiqi, whose handle is at your dot being on Instagram. And I'll put, you know, that in the show notes and says, and sorry, um, the post itself focused on helping people express I versus you statements. And some of you may already be familiar with that, but essentially this practice is going to help us keep the focus on the issue and clarify the feelings that are at play rather than, you know, the accusations, the assumptions, and the interpretations. And I've said this multiple times already, it's not easy, I acknowledge that. And it requires that we be clear about ourselves before asking another person to love us in a way that we're not communicating clearly. And I want to say that again because, you know, if we are not clear about ourselves, right, our needs, who we are, why we are the way that we are, why is it that we feel so strongly about sharing something, right? I was asking a friend about this the other day, you know, and saying, you know, why is sharing that, feel, why does it feel so necessary? And I'm not questioning whether or not it's necessary. What I'm try, I was trying to help him see is that because of how our minds work, not sharing it seems painful. And so when you acknowledge that, you can then communicate around that. It's not, you need to hear this and why aren't you, you know, blah, blah, blah. it's, I acknowledge the fact that this is really important to me and this feels a certain type of way to me. And that may not be how they're feeling. Hmm. Well, maybe I don't even need to share it, right? Maybe I need to write it down. Maybe I need to share it in another space, right? Um, but as well, it means it takes it off of a thing where you're focused on whatever their response is, right? And it's more so about, hey, I, I feel compelled to share this. If you'll give me the space, let me do that. And then you leave it as, as you know, as is. And so this also helps to mitigate defensiveness because the conversation isn't about, you know, what you know someone did to you but rather how you feel and what you need. And again, this is not a foolproof way of getting through the, the tensions. So be prepared for some of them to still not be able to hear you. However, again, we're not so much doing this for them and their behavior so much as we are looking for the clarity we receive from not expressing ourselves in a way that begs others to see us and to prove to us that we're worthy of their love. So I'm going to give four statements, you know, that are examples of things you might hear or things that you can say, um, you know, that might, you know, work better for you. So when you hear, you think you're too good for this, you're too good for this family, right? You never hang out with us after we eat. Consider that what they might be trying to communicate is that they miss you or that they feel rejected by your absence. Now, again, it's on them to express themselves clearly, but what you would be doing in that case is saving yourself from having to carry around the weight of shame or letting people down. The second, you know, example, when you hear you're always on your phone while we're playing games as a family, consider whether they're tr saying that they like creating memories with you. They may be looking to feel closer to you, but they don't know how, com how to communicate it. Again, still their responsibility responsibility to figure that out, but now you no longer have to carry around the weight of feeling bad for being easily distracted or being overwhelmed by all the activity. Third example, instead of telling them, you always make me fix all the sides by myself, it's inconsiderate. Try saying something like, I appreciate that you all trust me to make a key part of dinner but I feel a bit overwhelmed trying to keep track of everything I need to cook, who has allergies, and getting myself out of the door on time after all of that. 
I would appreciate if someone could buy the ingredients, maybe share a list of the people with allergies, help me remember when to take things out of the oven, and possibly come pick up the trays early so I don't feel pressured to get out of the door on time. Right? These are ways in which we can help ourselves. Like even in just in that last thing, if we are struggling with, you know, executive functioning, right, and trying to just manage time and 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 you know, that time awareness. Um, trying to cook and get ourselves out on time as opposed to being like, I'm going to cook it early or I'm going to cook it at a certain time. If someone comes and picks it up, I'm not sitting there stressing, saying I'm holding people up or, you know, people not calling me, yo, where you at? What the, you know, none of that, right? Y'all have the trays. If y'all want to start eating, go for it. I will be there when I get there, right? And everybody kind of wins. And lastly, the fourth one. Instead of accusing them of cutting you out of things, consider saying something like, I feel abandoned when you roll out without me. I'd like to agree to put an alert in the cousin's chat if people are leaving or thinking about it. And I know many of us do have cousin's chats, right? And, um, you know, there's an opportunity to just put alerts in there, right? Like there's no guarantee that people are going to see it. And maybe you want to find that cousin or that friend or that whomever, right? who can be your buddy and, and, and look out for it. And if they do see something, make sure that they come and get you, right? So that you're covered. So again, all of this can be incredibly heavy, but I want to offer encouragement to still reach for forgiveness and compassion. Not everyone will be deserving of that for sure, especially right away. However, in many cases, the issue is them being screwed because they don't have the tools. And so many of you will recognize that J line, but it, for me, is super, you know, poignant because a lot of times we think people are purposely trying to help us, like, why don't they do better? But a lot of times, you know, when we reflect and look in the mirror, we're all growing, right? There's all types of pain that we've caused people um, because we just didn't know and we didn't have the tools. We didn't even know the tool existed. And so we're out here, you know, unwittingly you know, causing harm, you know, and so if we give them the tools, if we communicate what we need and that gives them that chance to say, oh, I need to make a shift because I care about this person because I want to keep this person in my life, all of a sudden, right, there's a possibility. And so I'm sharing next a, a bell hooks quote. I already warned y'all that there would be plenty of these, right? And she said, for me, forgiveness and compassion are always linked. How do we hold people accountable for wrongdoing and yet at the same time remain in touch with their humanity enough to believe in their capacity to be transformed? And I absolutely love this quote because, again, it speaks to the fact that, you know, we're all human and that if we give up on people's capacity to, 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 to be new, it is a very dark place to be. And again, that doesn't mean everyone deserves to be forgiven. It doesn't mean that, you know, Every, anybody can do anything to you, and then we just simply have to write it off as, as their humanity, right? There are boundaries, and healthy boundaries for a reason. But there are also times when it's okay, if not, you know, encouraged to go ahead and believe in people's capacity to transform. And that's why, like I said, you can hold that boundary for as long as you need. If you start to see something different, right, if their behavior changes, that can open that door for forgiveness and compassion. And as I've said multiple times, this is not easy work. 
Some of these are in fact are advanced techniques only possible after a lot of internal work and digging to find the trash inside of us rather than continue to continuing to clear the stench. And what I mean by that is that there are things that, you know, we do that, you know, maybe we went and, and, and you know, even going to therapy, right? And then we think, okay, well, I went to therapy, so I'm good or I'm better, right? But how many of us have gone to, you know, church or mosque or, you know, temple or whatever, right? People go in there, they say all the great things, they've got their, you know, religious text, and yet they're still struggling, right? And yet they're still not fully healed. Um, again, don't just clear the stench. Like, get to the source of the trash and really clear that out because that's what's going to help you navigate this a lot better. I also acknowledge that it asks a lot of us to be hopeful that others will do the same after years of demonstrating something else, right? If we're, you know, and a lot of us, again, are pattern noticers, right? We notice patterns very, very well. And so if you look and you see, okay, this pattern has been happening for years. What evidence do I have that it's going to be any different? I know it's hard to get over that. Um, but I was also reminded by a video shared by my cousin today that, you know, we need to be clear that even if we do all the work well, right, that doesn't mean that it will be no major waves to get through. It just means that we now have the skills to swim through that wave or even use a boat to get ourselves to safety, right? You will still have tough days and things that weigh on you heavy, but you will know how to get through them much better. And that, that is the point of the work, not freedom from suffering. And so having said that, here's yet another bell hooks quote. Contrary to what we may have been taught to think, unnecessary and unchosen suffering wounds us but need not scar us for life. It does mark us what we allow the mark of our suffering to become is in our own hands. Right? Let me read that one more time because I read that awkwardly. Right? Plus, it's, it's important. Right? So contrary to what we have been taught to think, unnecessary and unchosen suffering wounds us but need not scar us for life it does mark us but what we allow the mark of our suffering to become is in our hands right and so uh this is from her book all about love and this is a really important point because this means that we have control over how we show up going forward we have control over you know what access to love we have excuse me, despite our suffering, a lot of us may believe we cannot achieve or receive love, excuse me, because of the suffering, the trauma that we've been through, it feels like we'll never learn to love again. But Belle is telling us something different. And so with that, I hope you all have an amazing holiday season. Feel free to return to this episode if you feel you need a refresher or a reminder or a re-energizer, right? May your holidays be filled with surprisingly healed loved ones and edible and enjoyable food, the freedom to choose spaces where you don't get overwhelmed, and maybe just, you know, the, the holiday nymph will allow your entire self to be seen and affirmed by someone who matters to you most. That is what I wish for you. And so with that, I will let you all go. Thank you if you've stayed this long. Um, as well, if you stayed this long and you're looking for an opportunity to connect with folks virtually, again, maybe you can't get back to your family, maybe you don't want to, right? Um, 
if you're still looking for an opportunity to connect with other neurodivergent folks, I'm going to put a link that someone shared, um, you know, uh, on Facebook. It's like an hour and a half on Thanksgiving. So you can kind of tap in there. Um, and other than that, thank you so much. Um, please, as always, you know, share this with someone, uh, that you think it might help. Uh, and I'll see you all later. All right. Thank you for joining me for another episode of I Must Be Bugged. I hope you've learned something, became curious, and most importantly, felt affirmed by what you heard. Remember, this podcast is all about sharing compassionate narratives about who we are and how we contribute to the beautiful and necessary diversity of humanity. This is our place to unmask and just be. Don't forget to connect with me on IG at I Must Be Bugging, where I'm eager to see you share your thoughts, your experiences, and your stories. And if you've enjoyed today's episode, please share it with a friend. Leave a review and subscribe. It helps others who are eager for community find our people. So thank you again for being a part of the I Must Be Bugging community. I can't wait for the next episode. Until then, stay up and enjoy who you were meant to be. And remember, you're not bugging, you're brilliant. <laughs>